0: You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising.
1: Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am thrilled and honored to introduce you to Kylie McMullen, who is the principal at Finch Media. Her background in public relations and marketing is informed by a comprehensive experience, both client-side with Johnson & Johnson and Nature's Path Organic Foods, and an agency working on accounts such as Celestial Seasonings and Cadillac Canada. Kylie has taught public relations for over a decade and is the co-author of the first Canadian-based public relations tech book, Canadian PR for the Real World. Some of you probably even have a copy of it maybe still, or maybe you sold it once you finished your uh, schooling, uh, or maybe you're, you're in the midst of reading it right now. This is the actual co-author. She is currently completing her PhD in industrial management and economics from KTH Royal Institute in Stockholm, Sweden. She was nominated as a YWCA Woman of Distinction in the Business and Professions field and as one of Business in Vancouver's Top 40 Under 40 category winners. Her agency was nominated as an Outstanding Workplace as well. Kylie, thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So, being an author of a textbook co-author, have you had any students come up and find you and be like, can you sign my book? Yes.
0: No, no signatures, but I have had a lot of people like just, um, like out and about, like when I'm yeah. talking to people, people will be like, oh, I read your textbook when I was at BCIT and I loved it. Or, oh, I read your textbook here. And that's really nice to hear. I love like meeting people who've like read the textbook because, you know, the field of PR is not huge. So you don't often run into people who've, uh, who've read it. So it's always exciting when I do.
1: So if you were to kind of like look at your, your life as a pizza of sorts, um, like a circle graph, what percentage is like teaching and what percentage would be like writing and then what percentage would be doing uh, running your PR agency?
0: Yeah, so uh, my husband would probably complain that like my pizza chart is like outside the pizza lines at this point because like all hours are filled all the time. Um, But I would say like teaching is probably maybe 10% of the pie. Uh, Running my business is probably like 80%. Uh, and then uh, another like ten percent is maybe the the writing. That's something I really love to do, and I love writing op eds and um, and different things around. Like I'm just very passionate about communications, and so uh, I love writing about it. So that's probably like another ten percent. And then like somewhere in there is like family.
1: Yeah. No. That's yeah. 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 So the, yeah. The the pizza of your work and maybe teaching it. That's that's amazing. So. Uh, your day job, like uh, doing the actual PR work, maybe some of your 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 highlights or some clients that you work with or campaigns that you've been working on recently that you're you're really excited about or proud of.
0: Yeah, so uh, we have like a great, uh, so many great clients, and so much of the work is so fulfilling. Something that's really important to me is that um, all of our clients are like aligned with our values, and so that's something we look for. Uh, when we bring on clients, we're we're a small agency, so we have the luxury of of you know uh, screening in that way. Um, and so, just some like really exciting things we're doing. Um, we're actually doing like quite a lot of health communications right now. Um, you know, just coming out of the pandemic, I think a lot of like health um, companies or like health related companies are looking for that support uh and that's just uh it just feels so good to be supporting companies in that space because you you can see like the great work that they're doing um and uh and kind of how they're like really bringing innovation like bc has been so amazing in terms of the innovation uh it's brought to like both covid and like uh the the health sector so many unicorns are coming out of bc so just so many exci- it's so much exciting work and it's just like really nice to to be a part of it. I was actually talking to a friend yesterday and, uh, I think PR people have this misperception of PR people that, um, they love to be like the stars. Uh, and I think you get that from like, you know, Samantha on sex in the city or Olivia Pope on scandal. Um, whereas like really, I think, um, PR people are most comfortable kind of behind the scenes. Like, celebrating and communicating about companies' successes. And so uh, it's really nice to be kind of in that behind-the-scenes role, helping people know about some of the good work that's happening.
1: It's like, uh, what's that, that old-fashioned thing that you would squeeze together that would help make fires grow bigger? Bellows? Was oh, yeah.
0: Bellow? I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: I think it's called the bellows. We have the role of bellows, <laughs> blowing uh, and, and amplifying an existing fire to make it bigger and warmer and more seen publicly
0: exactly uh, so well and that's a big mis- again yeah. a misconception i think of pr is that you know like we spin or we make good or good news out of bad but that's not that's not what we do at all i think we just take good news that's out there and then just help yeah like you said be- bellow it is that a verb we yeah. uh yeah. you know we amplify it and just like get it the attention it deserves
1: no, that's that's so true. And and if you were to break it down, it, it, which is so great having you here it, it, as an educator and practitioner, how do you break down PR today in 2022, the different types of PR? And, because PR most people assume now PR is just what that Netflix show that's come out, that's all it's publicist. <laughs> yeah. But publicist is just one arm of PR. So how would you break it down?
0: Yeah, so I like to tell my students that PR is like a umbrella term, like it's kind of like hip hop in that like it's hip hop is like a genre of music that has like a ton of different spokes in it. You have your R and B, you have rap. Uh, So PR is kind of like that in that, uh, you know, public relations or communications is this real generic umbrella term. And then under it, you have these kind of specialties or spokes. So, you know, you have your government relations, which is really important. You have investor relations, which for public companies um, uh, is really important. You have media relations, uh, you have social media, you have, community relations um uh, and so many different subsectors even like beyond uh that so uh and you know some people are very good at being kind of generalists and playing in all the fields um and then some people are like really good at deep diving and like going down real specialties I'd say the exception is like government relations you need that you kind of have to be a specialist in um because uh, there's just so much nuance there and so many rules and regulations that you really uh, it's not something you dabble in, uh, and same with investor relations just because so many of the securities laws are pretty strict.
1: yeah. so if someone is you know an agency is listening or a brand is listening and they want to hire a PR agency and and what are some of the things they should ask to really distinguish to be like, hey, are you stronger with maybe uh, maybe you're an op-ed listicle writer? you're you're like a ghostwriter, or is your agency really good at maybe just, we send out a wire and that's our thing and, and that's what we're known for, very kind of more traditional. Or maybe their specialty is just working with creators, also known as influencers.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's like one of these things where um, something that a trend that I've noticed uh, kind of running my agency from kind of 2014 till now and then uh, having worked in agency kind of at the beginning of my career is I think in the past, um, companies wanted kind of more generalist agencies that could do a lot of different things. And, and you know, it was kind of like a one-stop shop for communications. You had your GR specialist in-house. You had your invest, uh, investor specialist in-house. They kind of like, um, you know, did worked in all sectors. Maybe they had a bit of a specialty in one. Uh, what I'm seeing more is clients are really wanting real specialization. So they're looking for, you know, have you done exactly this same campaign that I'm asking for for someone else? Which I actually think is a mistake because, um, uh, you know, communication, good communication strategy, I think, transcends sector. Um, and so, just because you've never worked with, let's say, Activewear before, doesn't mean you can't like very quickly understand and communicate well in activewear but I think it's something that clients are looking for is that real kind of specialization and so I think really if I was a client and I was looking for a comms agency uh, I would want to be really clear about what my communications goals were like why am I using communications um and and kind of say like this this is what I'm wanting. How can you help me get there? Sometimes I also think clients fixate a little bit on tactics, so they'll be like, we want a social media campaign, or we want a media relations campaign, um, which might not actually align to what they're trying to do. Um, and so I think what's more important for clients is to figure out what, why are we, why are we interested in communications? Why are we interested in PR? What's the problem we're trying to solve for? And then taking it to the agency and then saying, like, how can you help me get there uh, and let, let the agency start recommending the tactics?
1: So I'll still get, um, you know, pitched at me from the brand and or other agencies saying, hey, we need you to just send out some press releases. We need you to send out a press release or just send it out in the wire. And, and that's going to work. Because I think, you know, why don't you give us the history of maybe like why the wire exists, you know, why the, the press release exists, and is it still relevant in 2022?
0: Uh, it's something that we talk about in my classes all the time because uh, I can see both sides of this argument. And um, so, yeah, so The Wire is really, um, I mean, its history was created um, to kind of disseminate news very quickly to a bunch of different news agencies all at the same time. And it's still, The Wire is still very relevant, especially for public companies, uh, because it's actually the law that they have to disseminate all their, their any news that will move the market or affect share price has to go out on the wire, because it has to be distributed kind of to everyone at the same time. Um, So there's definitely still a place for the wire. And then the press release was created as kind of this very like cost effective, efficient way to get news out broadly very quickly. Now, there is uh, some questions about, you know, in 2022, is is the press release still relevant? And a lot of that conversation actually started with 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Um, because what 1-800-GOT-JUNK did is they decided to bring all their communications people in-house, uh, and they basically set up a call center and they're like, we're not going to use press releases anymore. We're just going to have people like basically working the phones, doing individual customized pitches to reporters. And, and that was like a very effective communication strategy for them. Um, and so, you know, I think they're, there's merit in that and if you have the resources uh, in order to build like a team that can just, you know, work those phones or, you know, n- now more than a lot of reporters don't answer their phones anymore. So now it's more like probably like working social media or working the emails uh, in terms of di- just direct pitching, getting really creative, looking at things like news jacking, which is where you take uh, kind of current events and then try to, you know, build a st- story off that. Um, that's great. And that's probably a very effective strategy, but not all companies have the kind of resources um, to be doing these very, very tailored customized pitch. And especially for big announcements, you probably don't need um, to it too. So what's nice about a press release is it's kind of like your, your uh, marketing, it's, it's, I actually see press releases is often now like a marketing tool. It's something you can put on your website. It's something you can share on social. You can send it out as an e-blast to your customers or to your uh, you know, your stakeholders, if investors or suppliers or employees. Um, it's something that everyone can feel good about and you can direct the media to, uh, to it. But then you probably are also going to need a pitch strategy where you take that press release and then develop customized pitches on top of it.
1: So... If you were a brand right now, and as far as like, hey, I want to get the word out there. I want to, uh, you know, send something out. Would you, you know, put up something out on the wire? Would you do a press release and then just kind of send it out coldly, or what? What would you think is like the best method, just tactically speaking? If you jumped right in,
0: I mean, it really depends. I would say on like the size of the company, the size of the news, how many markets yeah. they want to hit. So if it's like, if it's a huge announcement that's going to be like international. Uh, and you want a ton of eyeballs on it right away. You want to do kind of like a lightning strike strategy where you're just kind of like, you know, you want everyone who Googles your company to see this news immediately. Uh, you know, a wire strategy is probably still a good one. Um, and then and then kind of like maybe, uh, you know, adding pitches on top of that to try to get like the the thing with wire press releases is you're going to get very shallow coverage. Like the coverage is probably just going to mention what you've mentioned in your press release. Um, But, and then you use the pitching strategy to do, try to get more in depth, longer articles, more thought pieces um, on top and to build onto that. Uh, But if I was a company that had like, you know, like very local news or, you know, it was news that was kind of an announcement that was really only appropriate for a certain sector or a certain industry Um, if it was news that was like going to be hyper targeted um, to certain publications. um, And or if it was like, you know, maybe an exciting marketing announcement, but maybe not a super exciting news announcement, uh, then I would probably look at things like targeted pitches or news jacking, or listicles or op eds, like, what are other ways we can try to get that news out there um, that isn't kind of that, that news wire release?
1: That's awesome. And when is something not pitchable? Like when, when do you have to say either to a brand, no, you shouldn't hire me, or a client, no, that's not a story. that Let's not waste our time. And, and, and do you do that? Do you, when does that look like?
0: Yeah, so I I this is actually something that I've I've stolen from another practitioner that I know um uh but he kind of always said like when when companies try to like or, or tell him like hey we really want a press release about this something he kind of an exercise he likes to do is say like okay what would the headline be like let's imagine this gets picked up by the globe and mail like what what does that headline look like and then kind of by kind of playing that like you know like uh, cookware company makes cookware, like, maybe it's not as exciting as you initially thought it might be. Um, But usually, I think there's a story somewhere in there, it might not just be exactly what the client thinks is the story. So maybe there's like a really cool founder story. Maybe there's something around that cookware that you can tell maybe there's an environmental story, maybe there's a listicle there, maybe there's a cooking story. Um, So I think it's, sometimes it's just like digging underneath the surface. Um, But if you want to kind of hear a funny story from the very beginning of my career, uh, I once had a client that was in um, kind of like the natural space and they really wanted to do, so there was a bunch of studies at the time that had that kind of said that soy lowered male sperm count and they were like really upset about this. And so they wanted to go, out with a a press release about like how many people in their office were pregnant uh, because it was like well you know uh, soy doesn't uh, affect sperm count because look at all these pregnant people in our office and uh, like I had to tell them so many times like you can't go out with like a very non-scientific study as a pitch against a very scientific study like this you know, this is very anecdotal, uh, the number of women who are pregnant in your office. And uh, and so, but they like insisted and insisted and insisted. And so this is one of those times where like, you could still bury the news. Um, and so like by, you know, like sending it out at 459 on Friday, uh, but it actually got picked up by an industry pub.
1: Wow. So, and 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 you, we don't need to name the publication, but it, but it got picked up
0: it got picked up I couldn't like I almost fell off my chair because I kept telling them like this is not news no one is gonna talk about this like this is not this I mean also like these poor pregnant ladies like who are now being identified like it's just the whole thing just felt like wrong um but uh but yeah so they they actually they got picked up and they were delighted
1: wow so I need to ask in a world in, in a nation and an in, in industry that's changing so much with you know, CTV and Rogers and all sorts of folks you know, losing reporters, or maybe the reporters are simply moving, like how do you see the role of PR in a time when there's less and less reporters and, and maybe kind of more of a consolidated news uh, environment?
0: Yeah, and it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a difficult time in PR. And I think there's like some soul searching happening within the industry of like, what does the future look like? And a lot of the trends that we were seeing kind of pre COVID, uh, COVID just accelerated them things like the rise of pay to play things like the uh, consolidation of media, uh, you know, more journal or journalists leaving the industry, uh, the rise of influencer marketing. And so I think a lot of those trends have been like on high acceleration, um, just because of COVID. And so now coming out of COVID kind of like, what, what does the new world look like? And, and some things change too, right? Like you basically had like a complete stop of a lot of experiential marketing campaigns, events, like a lot of the things we would have, um, done, done lots and lots of, uh, all of a sudden got a hard stop as well with people starting to reimagine like, what can we do over zoom? What can we do in like a social distance way? Like what what do some of these events look like or experiential marketing campaigns look like? And so I think coming out of PR, um, it's not that uh, there's less value in it. In fact, I think with COVID, something that we've seen is that going back to some of those fundamentals of communications are more important than ever things like internal communications which a lot of companies i think don't give as much focus to as they should um things like uh you know communicating change to your stakeholders uh looking at your stakeholders and like you know who needs to know what when um and doing some of that engagement and some of those like real communication strategy of not like oh let's just send out a press release every time like okay like you know uh and like things like this great resignation like employees want to feel valued. They want to feel like they're a part of a company that, you know, aligns with their values, that, you know, treats them with respect and not just as another, you know, cog in the wheel. And so what does that kind of internal communications look like? What do different stakeholder communications look like? What do, what happens when there's a crisis? Um, how do we communicate around that? So I think communications is more important than ever. It's just, I think we're going back to some of those back to basics of like, what is fundamental calm strategy? And I think going back to kind of the beginning of our conversation where we were talking about objectives versus tactics, I think for a long time, we just like jumped to tactics of like we need social media or we need press release. And, and it's, it's about remembering again, those are really just like tools in a PR toolkit. It's not, it's not the right answer every time. And so taking that step back and like thinking about like, what are, what are we trying to do here? Uh, what's important to us? What do we need to do to be successful? And how does communication support that?
1: That's incredible. And, and doing your doctorate, what you know, kind of your your thesis, your 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 core, like the the published piece at the end. What are you focusing on? And what what have you learned from that?
0: Yeah. So I'm. Uh, so my my doctorate is in uh, industrial marketing and economics. Um, and sorry, industrial management and economics with a focus in marketing. And um, and so. For my dissertation, what I'm looking at is influencer marketing. Um, And so we're, uh, me and some co-authors. So for my dissertation, I have to publish four papers in academic journals. uh, And those basically then get bound together with like an opening chapter and a closing chapter. uh, And then that's kind of what I defend. And so so the research that I'm trying to do, uh, and two of the papers are based on it is uh, talking to both influencers and brands around um, you know, how they work together, uh, why they choose each other, what are the gaps in the relationship, uh, why they choose to work with companies or influencers, and why they choose to end relationships with companies and influencers. So kind of broad research. And as far as I can tell, this research hasn't been done yet. Uh, there's been a lot of interviews and research done on just influencers, um, but no no one that i can tell in my kind of like reviewing the literature have people talked to both groups um to see what's working and what's not and so it's really interesting um and even just as a practitioner i'm learning so much of um you know especially just around like things that you know i could probably have guessed might have been pet peeves to influencers um but it's just like really Clarifying to hear them say it, Uh, and to hear like influencer after influencer after influencer say the same things, I'm like, oh, okay, like you really hate that when companies, you know, use like repurpose your content without you know negotiating uh, usage rights, like that's that's a huge issue. And so, so yeah, it's been really really interesting.
2: At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently.
1: Wow. And and tell me about the terminology now of like creator versus influencer and and when and where to use it.
0: Yeah. And that's something that's interesting that's come out of the research as well. A lot of the people we're talking to, and and we've talked to like a real range, everything from kind of nano to uh, macro. Um, and so, you know, kind of people with a few thousand followers all the way to people with like hundreds of thousands of followers and kind of how we've defined our sample is anyone who gets paid either through product or service or product services or monetary, um, incentives to post. Um, and so, so a lot of the people we're talking to really reject the term influencer, um, because they really, they've, they think of it as um, it, uh, like almost like fluffy, like it doesn't really capture what they do, um, which is true, right? Like, you know, there's this misconception, I think, that influencers are, you know, just partying on yachts and like taking selfies and it's the easiest job in the world. And what you don't see is there's a ton of work, especially the influencers who make it look the easiest are probably working the hardest. There's a ton of work and skill and thought and 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 money. Like that's something that I didn't, I don't think, totally appreciate before doing this research. Is how much money they have to spend to hire videographers, to hire photographers, to like a lot of, especially the bigger influencers have teams that support the content they create. Um, and so and so it's this it quite like a A challenging job like it's it's just like you know producing content for a company or for a magazine like that's a lot of work that you need to be a good writer you need to have a good eye you need to have good graphic design skills you need to have good promotion skills um and so all those things videography skills photography skills so all those things um you know um some influencers not all kind of feel like it's it's um that term is used in not like the most positive way. So they do um, tend to like the, the term content creator because that's more accurate, a more accurate reflection of what they're actually doing. Uh, and I think it also like, um, you know, if a, if a company is going to spend a lot of money, uh, you know, on a campaign um, with a content creator or influencer, um, you know, content creator has more of a heft, like there's more value right in the name. Uh, versus influencer, like what does influencer mean? Like it's kind of an intangible term.
1: Yeah, and, and it's for that, you know, it, it, when you do the studies, is there like, is there been a group that been like, don't call us influencers anymore? Is it like, or is it just a natural progression or a natural kind of evolution, would you say?
0: Yeah, I think it's like for a lot, it's kind of just this natural evolution where they just kind of feel like it's a more accurate term only a small group of people we talked to were like, no, no, I'm not an influencer. Like, um, like, and they they kind of thought of like influencers as like someone else. Like they're like, oh no, influencers are like people who do this full time. Like they, they're, you know, people who, um, you know, like make all their money where a lot of people were like, you know, I'm a business owner and I just do this on the side. Or I, you know, I, um, do I'm a chef and then I do this on the side. And so they just really didn't feel like, uh, the term influencer applied to them. They were like, no, I'm like, I've got a job. Uh, that's my like nine to five job. And then I also, you know, sometimes get money for posts on the side.
1: Yeah. And, and with the the stuff that you're doing, like your dissertation, it will get published and, and kind of the, the changes in education, what are you seeing even with that as you get the chance to like teach and invest? Uh, you know, what's the best way to maybe learn more about PR or develop oneself as a PR practitioner?
0: Yeah, I mean, I do think uh, it's... changing um definitely we're seeing like more uh focus on the digital realm like you know without aging myself too much when I started in PR social media didn't exist so it was like not on anyone's radar um and then I I remember my uh uh, guy who um, is a good friend and he, he often comes and guest speaks at my class like so there was like kind of like, no social media, and then social media was kind of growing, and he, he kind of had a slide, and it was like, social media manager is not a job, and then a couple weeks later, years later, he had to be like, social media manager is definitely a job, um, because things were kind of changing so quickly, um, and so, you know, I think PR is a great career for people who like change, uh, they like to wear many hats, um, they like to be kind of constantly learning, because, uh, things are changing in this industry faster than I can keep up. And I try really hard to keep up because I teach, I'm writing this textbook. Uh, I'm very invested in like trying to stay up on uh, latest trends and I feel like I can't keep up. So uh, I know it's probably hard for a a lot of people. So, you know, PR is not a career I think for people who just like want to learn something and then kind of like, you know, other than maybe small variations in that over their career, there's not going to be very big changes because marketing and communications change constantly. Uh, but what I would say is that I, I do think the fundamentals stay the same. Like, you know, st- good strategy, uh, good, ob- like clear objectives should drive the campaign or should tr- drive what the tactic is. The tactic might change. One day it might be Instagram, the next it might be TikTok, depending on the trends. But as long as you've done that thinking and that building out of strategy, uh, I think that's where the, the fundamentals of like, you know, back to, um, did you ever study Edward Bernays? No, no. So, Edward Bernays is this, like, very interesting character. He was actually the nephew of Sigmund Freud. And he's kind of uh, seen as, like, one of the, like, founding fathers of, like, marketing and PR as we know it today. And uh, he did, like, some pretty controversial campaigns, uh, kind of right after the Second World War. He came to the U.S. and uh, and started working on some campaigns. Like, he did things like... Um, tobacco companies wanted, like, they, they wanted more people to smoke. And at the time it was kind of seen as like, not very, um, sophisticated for women to smoke. Um, and so women would smoke in the home, but they wouldn't smoke out in public. So he like convinced all these like debutantes to march in the, uh, Macy's day parade smoking. And he called them like something like torches of freedom. Um, and so like to build this movement uh, and it kind of like tied it with women's liberation, uh, and, like, you can actually still see, like, some of the ads, like, from Virginia Slims, like, still use that language. Like, you've come a long way, baby, uh, which was, like, a popular Virginia Slims ad when I was uh, growing up. Uh, and he did things, like, he, in order to um, uh, gain support for things, he would have Minutemen, where he had, like, um, community leaders would go and give a one-minute talk in front in, before a play or before a movie uh, and get rally support for different government campaigns. Um, and so I think some of that, you know, that real understanding of who your stakeholders are and how to, how to connect with them still lives and breathes, uh, in communications, just like it did in the days of Edward Bernays. Um, it's just that it's just kind of that vehicle is changing.
1: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Kylie, you ready for uh, rapid fire? Always. Uh, lovely. Um, Thank you. Uh, That's great. That's a very exciting response. I love it. Um, What was your first ever job that you had?
0: So I got uh, my first two jobs like in the same week and I was a library page at uh, my local library, which I loved because I learned how to uh, delete my overdue fines. And so I would bring home tons and tons of books after my shift and then delete my fines later. And, uh, and then my, the other job I got in the same week was as a lifeguard. So I lifeguarded at Canada games pool for a long time.
1: That's awesome. Um, night owl or early bird?
0: I would say neither. I, uh, I kind of like, I love sleep, but I like, I would say I'm like very regular. Like I go to bed at 10, I wake up at seven. Like,
1: that's great. That's good. Maybe you're a, a, a noon person.
0: Like really excel at around eleven a.m. Yeah,
1: yeah. Lunch. You're like lunch is my sweet spot. That's like, <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's when I'm performing
0: my best, when I'm yeah. eating my lunch.
1: We need an animal for that, like a, a lunch llama, something because there's that. Oh, yeah. I like it. Yeah, um, cat or dog person.
0: Dog person.
1: Nice. What was the first thing that you ever marketed and/or did PR for?
0: Ooh. Um, so I would say like I did co-op when I was in university. Mm -hmm. And so my first co-op semester was for a power generator company. So I did their communications.
1: Amazing. Um, dark or milk chocolate?
0: Oh, milk all the way.
1: Right. What is your favorite word right now?
0: So my, I'm going to actually steal my daughter's word because we've been watching a lot of Encanto. And uh, so we were talking about special gifts and my daughter said her special talent, uh, like in the movie was being able to say the word rutabaga in a very funny way. So Um, I'm stealing her word. And so like every time I think of rutabagas, I laugh because I think of Lily, my three-year-old talking about her special gift of saying rutabaga.
1: That is awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, there is one thing we can't talk about, so we won't mention that. That's true. Yeah, perfect.
0: Actually, you know what? After we saw that movie, my daughter was like, they said they can't talk about Bruno, but they're all talking about Bruno.
1: Makes no sense. Makes no sense. No logic. She's she's a very bright young woman. Good for her. Pointing that out. Um, What is the last charity that you supported financially or with your time and why?
0: Uh, So my mom was a social worker. Okay. And um, and so I got to see firsthand the really great work that Covenant House does. Yes. So a Covenant House is definitely near and dear to my heart. And then I've also been doing a lot of financial support to Ukraine.
1: Amazing. You and uh, Ryan Reynolds, both big fans yeah. of Covenant House. That's awesome. Right here in Vancouver um, and Toronto. There, there, there's more than one Covenant House I've learned all around, uh, I think, North America. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh, what's a movie that you just love that you can watch over and over again?
0: I am a huge fan of musicals. So, okay. like any musical, like I've seen In the Heights 1,000 times. Yeah. I've seen Like My For Lady 1,000 times. Like any yeah. kind of musical, I like, I love, I learn all the songs. I mm-hmm. like sing them aggressively to my children. Yeah.
1: Um, like Rent, would that be one of them?
0: I do love Rent. I actually, have I seen? Yes, I have seen the movie. I think I like the play a little bit better, but yeah. I love the music.
1: Yeah. No, I love that. Was it, was it 10,000 Minutes? Is that the song? Yeah. I
0: I actually don't know the number, but it's like...
1: That's such a great song. Love it. Well, it fits well with it. What's the next question? Favorite song or album on repeat right now in your life?
0: I mean, pretty much the thing that we listen to the most in this house is Encanto. I actually love... So my daughter... I was listening to this podcast about how... What's kind of cool about Encanto is how... um, Louisa uh in a in a different Disney movie would probably be the eldest son like the strong one would often be like a masculine figure um and I love that it's the eldest daughter because my three-year-old is obsessed with the song surface pressure which is sung by Louisa
1: I love that and
0: um and I just love that her definition of like strength both kind of like literally and figuratively is this like strong female character so
1: that's awesome that's awesome um in another kind of multiverse, another world or if you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing right now?
0: Um maybe a writer. I've always wanted to like I love writing. It's something yeah. that like makes me really happy. Uh I would like love to write like romantic comedy type novels. I also um I always thought if I was like independently wealthy, I would love to run like a like like a philanthropic organization, yeah. like a a massive charity. Um uh, that was like, you know, like funded and like, you know, could do really great work around the world. So cool. yeah, either writer or is philanthropist, yeah. philanthropic person. Yeah. Ph- <laughs> a ph- um, a philanthropist. Philanthropist. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Philanthropist.
1: Yeah. Perfect. That's awesome. Um, what's an app on your phone you can't live without?
0: I run a lot. And so I love listening to podcasts on my run. So I would say probably, uh, my podcast app, because uh, I'm always listening to podcasts while running.
1: Nice. Um, and favorite children's book?
0: Ooh. Something that I love having about, or something I love about having kids is that you get to like revisit all your favorite children's yeah. books. So yeah. like I've been forcing Anne of Green Gables on my daughter. Yes. I've been yes. posting, forcing the Ramona series. Benicula is like one of my favorites. So it's really fun to get to read them all again.
1: That's awesome. What's the best thing you ever bought for under ten dollars?
0: I would say anything that distracts my children, even for five minutes. So whether that's like a sticker book or a cookie yeah. or uh, you know like those uh, those like magic markers where you like can mm. color in without making a mess. Yeah. Any of those. If if I can like do something for five more minutes uh, because it's captured their atten- attention, it's yeah. worth it.
1: That's awesome. Um, what's the best thing you ever changed your mind about?
0: Oh, that's a good one. Hmm. I don't know. I, uh, I was planning to live in Toronto, I guess. And I, I came back to Vancouver for love uh, and it was probably a good decision because now we're married and have two children.
1: It's a great decision. And Vancouver Hmm. gets you, which is great. Um, what is a business or marketing book that you'd recommend outside of you? Of course, your uh, wonderful textbook.
0: Um, a, good, a really good book I read pretty recently, uh, I actually listened to the audiobook while I was running, is it's called The Power of Moments. Have you read that one? No, I haven't. Uh, it's really interesting. It's all about how people tend to forget the middle of an experience. Yeah. But if you can really wow people at the beginning or the end of an experience, it will stick with them a lot more. Um, or if you can kind of create an experience that's like very exceptional. So they gave the example of, I guess there's this, uh, hotel I think in Palm Springs and they have like uh, a telephone and you can phone and, and a butler with like a, a tray and like white gloves will deliver a uh, cherry popsicle to you and um and like people love this hotel it's like they give crazy great ratings um and the book kind of talks about like the hotel is pretty average in, in every way except for this popsicle phone uh, and it'd be like way more efficient and easier for the company. Like if they, if the hotel wanted to get popsicles to just have like a cooler, uh, where they had popsicles, but it's the experience of like calling this phone, having someone deliver this cherry red popsicle that really sticks in people's minds and gives people a good impression. So even if every other part of that experience is average, people are going to be like, I love that popsicle phone.
1: That is, that is amazing. I've never heard that. So that's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, you listen to a lot of podcasts. What are some that you recommend for those in marketing PR?
0: Oh, um, I mean, I don't know if this is marketing and PR, but it's just like being a human is yeah. um, Dolly Parton's America is such a great podcast. I don't know. I mean, I love Dolly's music. Um, but even if you're not a huge fan of Dolly Parton, which you should be, mm-hmm. um, the like the themes of the podcast, like they it uses her music to like explore tons of different Um, just like issues in North America, like socioeconomic, uh, things, uh, tensions, gender tensions, racial tensions. Like it uses that as a vehicle to explore all these interesting avenues that, and look at them in like a really unique way.
1: That is awesome. Um, what about a newsletter website that you recommend for resources inspiration?
0: So my absolute favorite newsletter right now is, uh, Hunter Harris, uh, I don't know if you've heard of her. She's a, a really, really talented writer and journalist, and she has a newsletter and it's uh, all celebrity gossip. And it comes out on Fridays around five o'clock. So like my favorite thing to do is like on Fridays, I like pour myself a glass of wine, I turn off my computer, and I read Hunter Harris's newsletter. and it's so funny. Uh, it just like brings so much joy to the end of my work week. Uh, and it's like the perfect way to transition into the weekend.
1: That is awesome. Uh, any life hacks that you would uh, be willing to share?
0: So I'm like pretty bad at doing things that make my life easier. Uh-huh. I, uh, I'm, like, I'm like terrible with like any kind of like thing where it's like, oh, this would be a lot easier if you did it this way. I'll be like, no, I'll do it the way I've always been doing it. Um, but something that I did do during COVID, which has been like amazing, is I did start going to therapy uh, and I would highly recommend it to anyone. Um, because, uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, especially being in this industry, um, we have to be avid news consumers. And so, um, you know, our clients need to know like what the latest news is. We do issues management, uh, scanning for it, uh, jacking, but I have a really hard time turning it off. Um, and, uh, and like the bad news really affects me. Uh, And I think that's like a sign of, you know, communicators, you have to be very empathetic Uh, Cause you kind of have to understand how a lot of different people would understand different messaging. So you have to really be able to put yourself in other people's shoes. Um, And so I just kind of, especially during the pandemic when the news felt so heavy um, I had a really hard time turning it off and I just kind of decided I wasn't being the person I wanted to be. I wasn't being the mom I wanted to be. So I started seeing a counselor and, and it's been really amazing. So I would recommend it to anybody.
1: That is a, that's a great life hack. Um, and and you get the chance to invest in all these young up-and-coming students and people that are getting jobs for the first time. What are the skills that you feel uh, is needed for this kind of new collar work and this new economy?
0: Um. So I went to this amazing talk. Uh, this was pre-COVID, uh, but it was Van Jones, um, who uh, is on CNN, and he used to be the head of, I think, President Obama's like climate policy. And something that he talked a lot about is, uh, how for our children and, you know, even us, adaptability is so important. Um, because, uh, in the past you could really like plot your course, uh, and you kind of knew everything that was coming, uh, in the future and you could kind of plan for that. Whereas, you know, the future is kind of now coming at us faster than we can plan for it. Things are changing. Like we just went through a global pandemic, technology is changing, um, uh, there's, uh, just so much change on the horizon, Um uh, climate change, uh, you know, no matter how you look at it, uh, things are just kind of constantly changing. And so it's so hard to plan for. And so adaptability, uh, and being able to be nimble, being able to change, uh, being able to like learn, uh, is so important. And so that's something that I'm actually really working hard to teach my own children is adaptability and resilience, um, because I do think that's going to be, what workers uh, and just people are going to need kind of in the future.
1: Well, Kylie, thank you for being here on the show, being a guest. Soon to be Dr. Kylie McMullen. Appreciate it. Um, where Now, where can people find you and follow you online?
0: Uh, so our website is finchmedia.ca. Uh, I'm on all the social channels under Kylie McMullen. I would say I use Twitter the most. I'm pretty active there um yeah but like please i would love for anyone to follow me on any or all of the channels
1: awesome well thank you for being here kali this was informative interesting fascinating and i'm sure all of your previous students and padawans and um you know readers are are thrilled to get the chance to hear from you in real life again
0: thank you for having me this has been so fun
1: awesome all right we'll see you next time on marketing news canada thanks everyone for joining us
0: Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors Travis Jeffers and the Podfather.
2: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices,